keeping with our own tradition, I will start by bowing to my right and bow to, to my left. Uh, and having done so, the request delegates to now observe a moment of silence for prayer or meditation. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, please allow me, uh, uh, fellow delegates, uh, to then move on and indicate that the rules and, and, and processes do apply in this hybrid uh, setting. Um, so before we, we, we proceed, I would like to make the, the following uh, announcements. That the hybrid sitting constitutes a sitting of the National Council of Provinces that delegates in uh, this hybrid, hybrid sitting enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in a sitting of the National Council of Provinces, that for the purpose of the quorum, all delegates who are locked on to the virtual platform shall be considered uh, present, that delegates must switch on their videos if they want to speak, that delegates should ensure that the microphones on their gadgets are muted, and must always remain muted unless they, they want to, to speak. That all delegates in the chamber must uh, connect to the virtual platform. That delegates who are physically in the chamber must use the floor microphones and should switch their microphones on when they need to address the chairperson that all delegates may participate in the discussion through the chat room and note that uh, the interpretation facilities is active. Permanent delegates, members of the executive, special delegates, and SALGA representatives on the virtual platform are requested to ensure that the interpretation facility uh, on their gadgets are properly activated to facilitate access to interpretation services. Permanent delegates and members of the executive in the chamber should use the interpretation gadgets on their, on their desks to access the interpretation uh, facilities. Honorable delegates, uh, uh, please allow me to announce that uh, for today's sitting, there will be no notices uh, uh, of, 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 of motions or motions without, without notice. Further, I would like to take this opportunity to inform the House that uh, 
Uh, we've now been joined by Honorable Mbali Lamini, uh, who has been sworn in as a permanent delegate representing Mpumala. Uh, uh, welcome, Mbali. Is she here? Uh, she's not here, but we wish, wish welcome, Mbali. Uh, welcome, your wish. We uh, must indicate right at uh, this point that we're looking forward to fruitful, productive, and successful uh, term uh, together with her uh, as she joins the National Council of, of, of Provinces. Um, Honourable delegates, before we, we proceed uh, uh, to the subject for the debate, I would like to take this opportunity to welcome the Deputy Minister uh, uh, of Corporate Governance and, and Traditional Affairs, uh, Honourable Babela, uh, MECs, Salga representatives, especially the President of Salga, uh, uh, who who is with us today? Uh, all permanent and special delegates, uh, as well to 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 the to the house. Uh, so welcome, uh, honourable Stofile. Uh, we shall now proceed to the subject for, for the debate. Uh, the debate uh, is on local government week advancing our collective effort to enhance oversight and accountability in the local sphere of, uh, of government. So I'll now call upon the Honorable uh, Bapela, Robert Bapela, Deputy Minister of Cooperative Government and Traditional Affairs, to open the debate. Honorable Bapela. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Amos Masonto. The chief whip of the NCOP, Mr. Seiso Mohai, chairpersons of the Select and Portfolio Committees of COCTA, and other chairpersons of parliamentary committees, members of the NCOP, MECs of various uh, provinces present. Uh, I was told the Auditor General was going to be in attendance. Uh, should she be there? Also welcome Mr. Tsagani. Mr. Gane Maluleke, President of Salka, Councillor Begistofile, esteemed guests, ladies and gentlemen. Chairperson, the 2022 Local Government Week under the theme Advancing Our Collective Effort to Enhance Oversight and Accountability in the Local Sphere of Government was again an opportunity for the three spheres of government to work as a collective in addressing the challenges facing local government. Minister Ngosas Anadlamini Zuma, in her address, stated that, and I quote, the centrality of local government for socio-economic development emboldens me to argue that every week should be a local government week. We cannot address any issue in local government without an understanding of the ideal local government particularly how our successes and all failures translate to whether we can achieve a better life for all 
for our people closed quote. In echoing the minister's words, I align myself that uh, that local government week should be every week, as local government is what we experience on a daily basis. As you open the tap, put on the lights, the collection of refuse happening and driving in the streets that have no potholes and that are clean, it's what we all expect to see. It is prudent that we locate and reflect on the local government that is in an ideal situation, particularly one that will enable us to create the people-centered society. The minister further alluded to the fact that this will enable us to determine the type of oversight necessary for the various spheres and institutions of collective governance. We must also recognize the developmental role given to our local government by the White Paper on Local Government and the Constitution. Section 152 of the Constitution says the objectives of the local government, which are to provide democratic and accountable government for local communities. Two, to ensure the provision of services to communities in a sustainable manner. Thirdly, to promote social and economic development. Fourthly, to promote a safe and healthy environment. And then lastly, to encourage the involvement of communities and community organizations in the matters of local government, just to mention the few. Our constitution recognizes that these objectives require the provincial and national sphere of government to actively enable local government to function as Section 154 of the Constitution mandates those spheres, the province and the national, to support, strengthen the capacity of municipality and to manage their own affairs, to exercise their powers and to perform their functions in accordance. The Constitution says it shall, it doesn't say it must, it doesn't say it may. So this is therefore an obligation on the spheres of government to continuously provide support uh, to the local government so that these functions can then be realized. Honorable members, ensuring an ideal municipality requires a whole of government and society approach and policy coherence implementation at all levels and uh, and, 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 and therefore uh, needs that we, we then have to make sure therefore that we work together in that harmonized way and, and, and ensure therefore that we continue to strengthen each other in a collaborative and coordinated manner. It is for this reason that we contribute to strengthening the district development model approach, which is anchored on Section 47 of the Intergovernmental Relations Framework Act. This whole of government and society approach uh, identify metros and district spaces, uh, which is 52 spaces in totality, uh, 44 districts and eight metros, although with uh, distinct constitutional powers, functions, and responsibility as the most appropriate levels for intergovernmental coordination and social campaigning. It is not only government that meets in these uh, spaces, uh, in the three spheres, but also the mobilization of the communities, stakeholders, uh, NGOs, civil society, all, including traditional leaders, all working together to realize 
the objectives of local government. And, and therefore, it is the most appropriate level for intergovernmental coordination and social com- com- compacting. It is aimed at facilitating joint planning, implementation, and monitoring of government's development programs with all spheres, sectors, and entities. This must undertake collaborative planning, budgeting, and implementation process, thus converging developmental efforts at the district metropolitan level. When a district is working optimally, we should have one plan that is implemented by all sectors and spheres of government. I think this is how we did that to also to be, to support and strengthen local government. Honorable members, our collective oversight and accountability through the local sphere of government can bear the desired impact when the oversight is cross-sectional and is able to view the performance of local government in tandem with that of provincial and national government. The Municipal Structures Act has now proposed, and then I think is we then have to make sure, therefore, that uh, these uh, committees are established. The Section 79 committees that will be approved by the council as opposed to Section 80s that are appointed by the executive. So that the, the separation of powers and functions between the council and the, the executive can be a distinct model that can then begin to see oversight becoming effective because the committees will have been appointed and then chaired by, by uh, councillors uh, in the council to ensure accountability and oversight. Also, uh, using this Municipal Structures Act to ensure, therefore, that the impacts are also established in all municipalities. And then those impacts must then be supported uh, to train and ensure that they are capacitated to ensure, therefore, that whatever reports that they've concluded on do serve in council. Council do not postpone simply because there's a matter that is affecting one of us or anybody and then those MPEX reports ought to be processed so that whatever remedial actions that are proposed by the MPEX can then be dealt with as a way of strengthening the oversight uh, at the spheres of local government. Section 154 emphasizes also uh, the, 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 the support uh, that needs to come through the accompanying budget so that we could then begin to ensure, therefore, that the capacity of those MPEX is also well resourced and they can then go into any investigation on any matter to ensure that indeed uh, oversight uh, uh, happens. 139, uh, discomforting as it might be, has been overused as a way of really uh, intervening. Uh, and, and, and therefore, the role of 139, whilst it's a constitutional mechanism that still will be there, we then have to therefore ensure therefore the impacts are solely supported and that the municipalities are able to have the oversight strength and functionality that is optimal as it is in the provinces and also as it is at the national level. National and provincial interventions should be more effective and not, not leave any municipality in a, any worse uh, off position. The exit processes and reports must also be presented so that they can also serve as a tool uh, of oversight so that they don't just end up being submitted and they are not being engaged by the council, 
and some of the useful lessons learned and then recommendations that comes out of those exit reports can then also be used uh, to ensure, therefore, that local government is able to then fix whatever wrongs that are there. The minister has called on honorable members also to come forward and participate in the 21-year review of local government, a process that has started last year, is still going on. There's a team of experts that are there uh, appointed who will then receive any comments, uh, proposals on what is working in local government and also what is not working so that we could then come up with new ideas and new proposals that can make local government function to the optimal. So please, honorable members, if you can take this opportunity and do submission through the COCTA offices in the provinces and also through COCTA National, uh, it will be a welcoming position because some of the issues that were raised during the question answer session, they were very useful points from the experts that participated uh, from academia uh, to the uh, participants, the ministers that also got involved and some of the yourselves as uh, practitioners in local government and yourself as members of uh, NCOP and the provinces. We are able to, to then craft some of the ideas that the minister says, instead of responding in a Q&A uh, format, we'll then be asking you to then submit so that we can then include it. The process is going to be culminating with a report that will be published before the end of the financial year, 2022-2023, uh, so that in March somewhere uh, in the year 2023, this report will then be coming out to say, this is the review, and in the review, are proposing the following going forward. And in the review, we think uh, some of the amendments or new laws or ideas of uh, changing some of the laws uh, to really make local government function. We also take note of the over-regulation uh, that uh, the, the meeting, uh, the focus on local government has raised that uh, probably is one area that we also have to look at. What are these regulations? Uh, who then brings those regulations between the National Treasury and also COCTA? How do we then harmonize the regulation that is not so much complicated and complex, but the regulation that enhances and that makes local government to, action, uh, to function optimal? So that at the end, we're able then to have municipalities that are functional in terms of good governance. We have municipalities that are able to be accountable in terms of according to accounting to the people that have voted for those councillors in, whereas we can also have administration that is focused, not interfered with, but the interfacing being a complementary between the executive and the administration, so that we could then have municipalities that are a pleasing area for every member of society, because all of us live in a municipality, uh, when we leave home to go to work, you are in a municipality. Even your workplace is in a municipality. And I think this ideal municipality that the minister spoke of is what we are all saying is an ideal. Honorable members, uh, let's then take those notes from the lo local government week, uh, compose them into a report so that we could then begin to say what was it and we share with uh, some of our colleagues who might not have attended and then let's then begin to give more attention uh, by submitting uh, uh, on this 21-year uh, review of local government so that we could optimally 
then begin to see the oversight and accountability being strengthened uh, in the in the local government. Yes, uh, this is a collective effort, and then and we all must work to enhance oversight and accountability in that sphere of local government. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, uh, uh, for giving me this opportunity, and then to all honourable members who are going to be the participants. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Minister. Our next speaker is going to be Honorable S. J. Mohai, Chief Whip. Thank you, Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces. And also, let me recognize first and foremost the Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces and also the House Chairs, the Deputy Minister of COCTA, uh, Deputy Minister Papela, distinguished special delegates, representatives of our organized local government, SALGA, and appreciate that uh, almost its entire leadership is here in the chamber, and also members, honorable members of this house, uh, the media, houses that are here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, first of all, let me start here by congratulating Councillor Taming Gubani, Salga NEC member, on his birthday. Sure. And yes, yeah, there's no harm to say really, it's, it's a good thing, it's a good gesture. To at least show it, you know, you know it, it is his birthday. Happy yeah. Okay, okay, and that time follows. Yesterday, I think we're celebrating. Yesterday, we're celebrating MEC Dukwana's birthday, yes. MEC of local government from the province of the Free State. Yeah. So, we are really celebrating mood uh, when we are with Salga and the provinces. And now it shows that this is a national platform for provincial and local government views. That's where it is housed, the National Council of Provinces, as a unique body. So we celebrate with comrades and honorable members on their birthday. The 12th NCOP Local Government Focus, uh, Local Government Focus Week takes place in the year that marks the 25th anniversary of the NCOP as a second chamber of the South African Parliament. This indeed marks the coming of age of our democracy and its institutions especially Parliament, as a critical voice of the people in the battle of ideas or for the building of the National Democratic Society. As we grapple with the challenges facing local government, we should be reminded that this is a critical sphere of our government that is located closer to our people, thus positioning it at the cutting edge of community participation, service delivery, and local socio-economic development. Chairperson, we should equally remind ourselves that the first 10 years of our democracy was marked by the building of the solid foundations for our system of local government. This included policy development, the design of appropriate model of local government, and that is responsive to the developmental challenges of South Africa in line with the fundamental values of our constitution. 
The foundation of our system of local government was built on the foundation of apartheid colonial legacy of special uh, development. Among key elements of this legacy that continues to haunt the local government are, among others, the unequal concentration of resources between urban and rural provinces, the unequal development patterns between residential areas historically designated for whites and black African majority, the design of electricity, transport and water and sanitation infrastructure mainly uh, that was in the white communities only, the deprivation of the indigenous black African majority of access to housing, public health services, education and other basic needs. Honorable Chairperson, we owe it to the African National Congress that at the core of the LEIS of the evolution and development of local government as a distinct sphere of government was the reversal of, of this apartheid colonial legacy built over more than 300 years. This entailed the provision of water and sanitation, electricity, free access to education and public health service, housing to millions of the poorest in, a, in many of our communities. Over the years, these strides and successes by our local government began to face serious setbacks and reversals. Key among these reversals was the creeping of a culture of corruption and lack of accountability by the elected representative to the communities. Poor governance and financial management resulting in wasteful expenditure of billions of public funds that are meant to improve conditions of our people. We in the African National Congress stands here today to reassure the South Africans that despite the complex challenges that are facing the local government, together with them, will overcome and restore the confidence of our people in this critical sphere of our system of governance. We equally reaffirm our position that as a leading mass party in many municipalities, we take full responsibility for the maladies that are engulfing the local government sector. We do this guided by the revolutionary morale and ethical teachings of one of our own, the late president of the ANC, Oliver Reginald Tambo, when he said, and I quote, we must tell the truth even if it coincides with our enemy, close quote. Over the last two days of the deliberations of the local government focus week, there was an overwhelming consensus that our system of local government continues to be inflicted by serious setbacks and reversals as evidenced by successive performance audit reports by Auditor General. This has once again triggered a renewed agency for the reimagination of the legislative sector oversight, accountability, strategic framework on local government. Chairperson, as a point of departure, we must proceed from the appreciation of the core constitutional mandate of the National Council of Provinces, followed by critical reflections on about the current conceptualization and practice of oversight over local governments, its efficacy, effectiveness, and impact in restoring good governance. This should be accompanied by the shared appreciation of the distinct roles of different role players and strategic convergence between these roles to avoid mandate creep and duplication between the different actors, namely the, the AG, Auditor General, National and Provincial Departments of COCTA, the National and, and Provincial Departments of Treasuries, and the South African Local Government Association. 
the mandate of the NCOP in relation to local government oversight has its foundation on the constitution and relevant sections that articulate it. And the constitution enjoins the NCOP to, to, to the provincial intervention in municipal administration and monitor interventions. Section 154 enjoins the national and provincial government to support local government and certain section 47, subsection 3 of local government. Municipal System Act enjoins the MECs to be responsible, the MECs responsible for local government to provide a copy of annual reports on the state of municipalities to the NCOP. The interaction of the NCOP with municipalities and the provincial departments of COCTA should not be construed just as oversight over municipality, but mutual support and cooperation in line with Section 41 of the Constitution. It should be appreciated as the enabling mechanism for the NCOP to discharge its role of, integrated, of, of, in, of integrating the interests and voices of provincial and local government in the national sphere of government. Chairperson, allow me to concede upfront that this alone is not sufficient to afford shared appreciation and understanding of how NCOPs would interface with municipalities and provinces in carrying out this constitutional mandate. We need more engagement among the stakeholders to resolve this. The issue of balance between Section 139 provincial intervention in the municipal administration and Section 154 on national provincial government support to municipalities is among issues that were raised sharply. This relates also on the efficacy and effectiveness of Section 139 in its current configuration. Chairperson, it is my submission that these issues can be better handled in the envisaged legislation that is intended to regulate Section 139 interventions. What can be done in the immediate and medium term is to identify critical gaps in the current approach and systems to provide short-term solution. There is no doubt that remarkable strides have been made since last NCOP Local Government Focus Week, as evidenced by the report of the AG and the Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. The Auditor General report highlights significant improvement also in some instances some municipalities that were in a terminal, where, where those were in a terminal state of financial mismanagement are reporting progress. In response to the challenges of professionalization of municipalities and various policy gaps identified in the last local government focus week, week uniform norms and standards on the competency framework for the appointment of municipal staff has been adopted. The ministry is also in a comprehensive process of policy review, which also one the deputy minister has just invited us, that you must take keen interest in engaging on those issues. Chairperson, the district development model was initially piloted in selected district municipality, has since been rolled out to all other district municipalities. What distinguishes the National Council of Provinces from other houses in the legislative sector is that it deals directly with developmental issues. It is our duty, therefore, to ensure that we transcend narrow political, narrow party politics to focus on the needs of our people. This should be a working house. This should enjoin us to move beyond endless diagnosis towards concrete action. There is consensus that failure to track and prioritize issues highlighted over the last two days into a consolidated legislative sector, oversight and accountability plan 
will be the betrayal of the spirit of the deliberation. This therefore places huge responsibility for the National Council of Provinces, and we kindly accept this responsibility that we shall work with local government, provinces, and the national sphere of government to, to ensure that we make scoring successes in changing the face of local government in our country. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Chief Whip. We will now, yeah, on what point are you rising? Yes. Oh, no, thank you very much. That's, uh, that, that's important. The only Mbali is on the virtual platform, and therefore let's, let's note that. Uh, thank you very much. The next speaker is going to be Honorable uh, Z.A. Williams. Uh, Honorable Williams. Honorable Williams from the Eastern Cape. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Greetings to you and the Deputy Chairperson of the House, all the House Chairpersons, the Salga representatives, and all distinguished guests. I greet you all from the whole home of legends in the Eastern Cape. Chairperson, I am pleased to address the House on the theme entitled Advancing Our Collective Effort to Enhance Oversight and Accountability in the Local Government Sphere. This debate takes place during the week of the 45th commemoration of the killing of the leader of the Black Consciousness Movement, Stephen Bantubiko. At the same time, it takes place a week after the 30th commemoration of the Bishop Massacre, which took place on the 7th of September, 1992. Both incidents stand in our national memory as a reminder that justice and fairness are values that have cost us many lives. They must constantly remind us that we stand here today as custodians of a moral project whose price was blood and that we too must continue to pay the price of selflessness in carrying out a duty as servants of the people and we dare not forget. Chairperson, section 152.1 a of the Constitution states that the objects of local government are to provide democratic and accountable government for local communities. In addition thereto, to ensure the provision of services to communities in a sustainable way. Furthermore, Chairperson, Section 1541 of the Constitution states that the national and provincial government by legislative and other measures must support and strengthen 
the capacity of municipalities to manage their own affairs, to exercise their powers, and to perform their functions. To give expression to oversight and accountability, Parliament promulgated the Municipal Finance Management Act and the Municipal Systems Act as instruments of law that give meaning the developmental principles outlined in the White Paper of 1998. They set out procedures and processes for municipal operations, planning, governance, and accountability. The White Paper on Local Government provided the conceptual framework for municipal finance, which supports the developmental role of local government. This was to enable local government to meet the objectives as envisaged in the Constitution. It underlined accountability, transparency, good governance, sustainability, adequate revenue, and efficient use of resources. Sound financial management practices are essential to the sustainability of municipalities, and they underpin the processes of democratic accountability. The MFMA and its regulations seeks to address weaknesses in budgeting, accounting, as well as reporting, and provide tools for improving efficiency in the use of public funds within an integrated accountability system. The MFMA holds the council accountable via mechanisms involving separating roles and responsibilities between councillors and officials. It envisages this as a good strategy for good governance and accountability. The municipal manager must hold the primary legal accountability for financial management in terms of the MFMA together with other senior officials for implementation of service delivery outputs. The aim is to allow managers to manage and councillors to exercise their oversight. The existing legislative framework creates a matrix of integrated accountability system wherein a municipality must account to communities for service delivery, account to the order general for use of public funds, report regularly to provincial and national treasuries about the revenue management, compliance, and legislation, as well as grant expenditure. With that said, Chair, let me quickly go to reasons, possible reasons, why some of our municipalities are, are still facing teething problems. While no municipalities are the same, research indicates deficiencies in the oversight role of municipal councils, which shoulder the overall responsibility of financial oversight. This implies that committees have abdicated their responsibilities for oversight. This implies that internal audits are dysfunctional and there's no implementation of Auditor General's reports and recommendations. Majority of our municipalities still fail to comply with deadlines set out in the MFMA for submission of reports and quarterly reports, followed by consultation processes. 
In view of these problems, it appears that the core which inhibits service delivery in our municipalities remains the shortage of skills and capacity to plan, collect revenue budget, and spend according to approved plan. This directly affects our capacity to deliver services with sustained low levels of spending on capital budget to expand access to water, sanitation, electricity, and housing, among other things. Inefficiencies in local government procurement systems tend to focus on procedural compliance rather than value for money and place an excessive burden on weak support functions. The way supply chain management system is implemented severely affects provision of roads, waste management, and refuse collection. Poor revenue management is one of the causes of financial distress for local government and that affects economic sustainability of municipalities. As a result, many municipalities can finance their operations. Irregular, fruitless, and wasteful and unauthorized expenditure recur each year. And the Auditor General in 2021 financial year has placed irregular expenditure at $39 billion. Repairs and maintenance of municipal assets are crucial to prevent supply and service delivery interruption. Circular 71 sets an 8% norm for expenditure on repairs and maintenance as a share of value for property, plant, and equipment. With that said, Chair, I now move to ways in which we can enhance oversight and accountability in the local government sphere. Having highlighted the lack of oversight and accountability in the local government sphere, let me hasten to tabulate some of the strategies which can be employed to enhance oversight and accountability. Oversight structures, such as councils, must place emphasis on the administration processes and the Auditor General's reports. Audit action plans for both internal and ex external audit must form part of performance agreements of municipal managers and accounting offices. Oversight structures must strictly ensure quarterly reporting. Consequence management must be applied in instances of breach consistently. We must ensure that performance indicators are smart and councillors must be empowered to exercise oversight on the work of the administration. Audit committees must be led by people with knowledge, skills and expertise and competencies to yes, hold administration To enhance collective accountability, only qualified and experienced officials must be appointed. The last one, Chair, is that we need to urgently professionalize local government administration. I thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, our next speaker is going to be Honorable Fessel. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Deputy Minister, Honorable Members, all protocols observed and fellow South Africans, good day. The aim of the past two days was to advance our collective effort to enhance oversight, 
and accountability to prevent further disaster and collapse and regression of most of South Africa's municipalities. We must recognize and acknowledge the challenges of the growing elephant in the room. We must face the rea realities that most South African muni municipalities are governed by the ANC. Sadly, these municipalities are destroyed beyond recognition to the point where water, electricity, sanitation, wastewater treatment works and road infrastructure needs to be rebuilt from scratch. Although the decay and destruction and the financial mismanagement regressed, evidently there was no appetite from within Kochta, either national or provincial, to stop it. In the chambers of legislatures and parliament, it was discussed, debated and decided to repetitively evoke Section 139 interventions right through the alphabet curve, knowing full well that interventions in the democratic South Africa did not restore good governance and sound financial management. In fact, the ANC, fully aware of the failure of interventions, used it as a punitive political weapon to hopefully settle factionalism within the ANC, like again now in Lichtenberg. Therefore, in the developmental state, the intention of the local government week was finding the root causes of dysfunctional and collapsing municipalities and the reason why most provincial governments fail to restore best governance processes, procedures and practices. With 16% of South Africa's 257 municipalities receiving clean audits in the 2020-21 financial year, this confirms a subsequent regression of further collapse, but the signs and red flags from the annual AG reports were clearly visible for years, indicating a disaster. However, the ongoing endemic fraud and corruption, the blatant looting of municipalities within administrations in most departments, the financial mismanagement, the absence of accountability, as well as the absence of consequence management were not enforced. In the new South Africa, a financial and operational collapse causing destruction of infrastructure, failure to deliver basic services and governance with no compliance to the constitution and said legislation was never anticipated. Policymakers concluded that local government is central to achieving the goals of the developing state and its failure therefore implausible. Cater deployment and the recycling of corrupt accounting offices nurtured endemic corruption and fraud within local government structures by circumventing procedures, regulations and legislation, looting municipalities to dysfunctional collapse and bankruptcy. The lack of political will, factionalism and ill-discipline reduced the system of local government into financial mismanagement, the cessation of service delivery and disgruntled citizens. The said ANC local government management style subjected communities to inhumane living conditions and the infringement of the constitutional human rights living without water and within the stench of surrounding sewer streams. The impact of municipalities failing to deliver and maintain safe and reliable services negatively impacts on every level of society. It is sickening to see how municipalities force citizens to live in towns paying for services they never receive, 
It is horrendous to see how local economic hubs are closing down and people lose their jobs due to ANC bad governance. In conclusion, Chairperson, the closure of the Clover Cheese Factory in Lichtenberg in the Northwest due to multiple service delivery failures has cost the town more than 400 jobs. In Gauteng, Infolini's dysfunctional sewer wastewater treatment plan has sunk the area's efforts to promote tourism-based activities due to polluted fall to the polluted fall river. Without fixing municipalities, we will never fix development in South Africa. There is a very clear political divide between functioning and non-functioning municipalities. Most of South Africa's municipalities collapsed or seem to be on the verge of collapse, except those in the Western Cape. They have good governance. I thank you. Thank you very much. Next to take the podium is Honorable Tukwana. Honorable Chairperson, Tatu Masondo, Honorable Chief Whip, Ndadesei Somohai, Chairpersons, members of the National Council of Province, provincial delegates, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. Chairperson, the debate signals the end of local government week 2022, a platform of parliament which is designed to to afford provinces a chance to reflect on the particular challenges facing local government, especially taking stock of opportunities in the present and looking forward to the future, and to share best practices and establish a new path for development. The Local Government Week takes place under the theme advancing our collective effort to enhance oversight and accountability in the local spheres of government. For us as the free state government, and indeed the people of the province, this debate takes place at a time when the diamond mine dam burst open and ravaged the community of Jagasfontein, leaving many residents homeless and destitute. This mine dam, has caused untold destruction in the area as a result of which at least one person is reported to have died and one still missing. Our government has stepped in to assist affected families with clothes, food and accommodations and many other NGOs came into the party. We expect our heartfelt condolences. We extend our heartfelt condolences to families who have lost their lives once and uh, also share our sympathies with those whose houses were destroyed and damaged as a result thereof of this disaster. 
There's no doubt that oversight, when done pro- properly, is a critical instrument in the hands of our government to ensure the mal- to ensure that maladministration, inefficiency, wasteful expenditure, and corrupt practices are dealt with decisively. It is on. It is the only way of ensuring that people who are being monitored, perform their duties as expected and without unnecessary delay. The institutions that monitor and hold local government accountable must themselves be credible in the estimation of the people. A few decades ago, an astounding, outstanding Dutch educationalist, Martinus Jan Langefeld chronicled the following uh, remarks, I quote, theory without practice is for geniuses. Practice without theory is for fools and rogues. But for the majority, the intimate and unbreakable union of both is necessary, unquote. I quoted Langefeld as I have, because there is a tendency to assume that fancifully debates, offensive debates in these platforms, in which we parade our knowledge of local government, somehow contribute towards improving the overall performance of municipality. This tendency is the reason why municipality continues to fail. Our beautiful constitution and policies, notwithstanding, we act as if our diagnosis of the problem and knowledge of practical solution will themselves take us forward. We do not possess the necessary political will to implement our policies. And yet there is no social or society that has fully developed without taking practical action to turn things around. It will be impossible for our local governments to be better unless we marry our ideals with good good practice. And so as we debate here today, our resolve ought to be constructed on a meta-narrative of the essentiality of theory and practice. Local government has the sole responsibility of building an effective government system that responds to the needs of the people and one that is particularly driven by the ideal of making this everyday lives of our people bearable and better. Because of its proximity to the people, local government enjoys a possibility to be an authentic service delivery voice of the people. We must, be, we must agree on the broad framework that, that clearly explains how our government intends to exercise its oversight over municipality. We must take stock of existing instruments of oversight, carefully scrutinize their particular limitations, and reflect on uniform mechanisms to improve them. At the center of this exercise must be allocated three important questions. 
What is the value we seek to extract from oversight? How exactly must this oversight unfold? And what capacity is needed for the success of government oversight? In exercising our oversight function, and in the context of involving dynamics, we are now forced to pay more attention to a relatively broad range of issues than we did in the past. We need to identify which issues are critical for the survival of municipalities, assess their impact, and install mechanisms to monitor these issues. This process will never succeed unless we drastically return to basics. Out of this shall certainly emerge a framework in terms of which public participation and involvement, clean governance, and transparency will be facilitated. However, we are under no illusion that the, the, the problems facing municipalities will be resolved with the speed of light because most are caused by lack of capacity. In fact, we are elated that the minister has joined the debate, the deputy minister has joined this debate and shall take note of issues relating to the resourcing of municipalities. This is an absolute necessity to give support to small local municipalities which have to have no capacity to generate revenue on their own. The need for national and provincial government to offer increased support to municipalities cannot be overemphasized. There shall be no proper service delivery that happens unless municipalities have their capacity to to recruit sufficiently qualified professionals, and this depends on the ability to remunerate such professionals. This is necessary to secure the much-needed economic growth and development, which will guarantee a large revenue base for our municipalities and creation of jobs for our people. At the outset, the single biggest stumbling block in this political interference, which result in the, sub, in the appointment of unqualified people by municipality and poor adherence to regulations. This we must combat as a matter of agency. Another impediment to enhance oversight and accountability in the local sphere of government is lack of coherence. Even as we debate here, our viewpoints follow primarily from party political exigencies and not from obtaining objective experience. In truth, our oversight role shall not fully obtain unless we secure greater cooperation of all political parties represented here and in provincial legislature. It is this cooperation that will inspire our people to stand together in demanding that municipalities achieve their targets. Our actions must transcend more declarations of intent. Our commitment must find practical expression on the ground. Gone are the days in our government where rights and or wrongs conduct is determined within uh, the narrow confines of self-fulfilling party political fortunes. We need to work harder as government, together and with municipalities and across political lines. As you conclude, uh, Honorable Dugan. As we conclude, Chepese, 
let me borrow what uh, the the Secretary of Parliament said yesterday in closing, using Abram Lincoln's words, we can succeed only by consent. It is not, can any of us imagine better, but can we all do better? The dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate to the stormy present. The occasion is piled high with difficulty, and we must rise with the occasion. And this is the opportunity for all of us to rise with the occasion. Thank you, Chair President. Thank you very much. Uh, I now call on Honorable S.A. Lutuli. Patisasalo <laughs> Unyaga nunyaga ama tala afanayo enkoshagalo nukusecha nziswa buteti nguwezi madi siga kulumeni kufame ugufana kuwa uonke ama provinsi. I parlamende lino msebe nziwalo oba lekili uwengamela umteso segeno. Iga kulgazi njengoba ushobele nukutensegiswa ugutu ukulumeni uyahambi sana nukusecha nziswa uwezi madi sompagazi. Izegu njalo i parlamende litanda ugusheshela emuva ashalo. Uwengamela uimsebenzi ekunyaziwe ngumtato segeli. Uwengamela uusebenzi swagwezi mali. Lomsebenzi unigezwe, unigezwe umtato segeli e parlamendi. Wogu apa kanyo nogwe ngenelela uma uhulumeni unginzigashi. Iga kulgazi kwa uhulumeni abasemakaya. Instead, we are left to deal with factional texts formed within the ruling party, which have no regard for their duties as public office bearers. Members of parliament from the ruling party are too divided along public lines to stand up for the public good. As a result, members of parliament defend the blatant theft of public funds and other acts of corrupt just because of party affiliations. Corruption runs widely in the administration. It stands as one of the most serious challenges facing the local uh, sphere of government in South Africa today. At local government, corruption occurs on a large scale, often going by undetected and stand as a major pol- political and economic obstacle to the economic development of our country. Malpractice has become a thing of, of every day, even though an annual audit report suggests that Parliament does not respond effectively to challenges faced. There also exists a permanent problem of financial mismanagement in the public sector. This problem has manifested itself in a growing wasteful, irregular, and fruitless expenditure in the country, confronted by poverty, unemployment, and inequality. We know this to be true 
as nearly half of the 39 municipalities in the Eastern Cape are currently on the brink of financial collapse and are being investigated by hawks for corruption. Buffalo City Metro, Nelson Mandela Bay Metro, OR Tambo Districts, Municipality Chris Honey Districts, Amatore Districts, Alfred Enzo Districts, and Nobu Local Municipalities in Nokunkichima, Inuba, Yetemba, Njabe, Amashati, Iposan Jones, Isaki Sizwe, Imbashe, Iwata Sisulu, and Magoma are all under investigation. Generally, the Eastern Cape is characterized by the municipalities which are either on the brink of collapse or are already collapsed. As, ele- as 11 municipalities are regarded as dysfunctional, 14 high risk and 14 are low risk. People's money is being squandered by the executive and all this occurs at the backdrop of a long list of legislation covering public finance, financial management. Corruption goes by undecided with no apparent consequences for wrongdoers as officials go by unpunished and are not answerable to the people. The executive is hardly held accountable and there is often no consequences for ministers and accounting officers when department and entities ignore recommendations made by Auditor General. The consequences of, of which uh, is is the delay in the provincial of services of our communities. We all know this to be true, as in Guazunatal, there exists a poor record of governance and service delivery, political in- instability, theft, and the deployment of cadres is a thing of a day in our local sphere of government. Abakulus, umsundus, utugel, inkosilangalbalel, ngut, umkanyagut, umtubatub, administration. There exists no tangible program of action in place to change the conditions of our people. Instead, what is offered in local government is opportunities for looting and management of public funds. So much so that the large amount which are stolen from the public revenue paints a gloomy picture for the country's long-term economic development. Chairperson, can I be protected? Yeah. Uh, all the members, uh, please proceed. Lack of oversight and accountability hampers the manner in which service delivery services and are provided to our people and is a direct attack on our communities. For it is at local level of government where service delivery needs to be seen by the people as it is the poor who makes use of state resources the most. In every... In everyday lived experience, it is our poor people who make use of basic services such as water, sanitation, and electricity, the use of public transport to get to work, use of local roads to send our kids to to public schools, the use of community clinics to assess treatment, access water management, town planning, and cemeteries management. Chairperson, 
that liberation movement has on several occasions demonstrated its lack of capacity in leading South Africa to economic development. It is therefore imperative that officials are held accountable for any abuse of power so, so as to ensure efficiency effectiveness, responsiveness, and transparency. Thank you very much. As I call on uh, Honorable Shaikh to come forward, uh, Honorable Ngonya will take over the chair. Honorable Shaikh. Greetings, um, Honorable Chairperson, uh, the Deputy Minister, members of the Executive Council, the President of SALGA, Honorable Delegates of this August House. In the 2021 local government elections, the African National Congress renewed its mandate in the majority of municipalities. In this local government election, we acknowledge challenges, which were also attributed to the weaknesses in political leadership and insufficient engagement with local communities, amongst others. We should recognize that we gather and debate today, not as a product of ourselves, but a product of the people who exercise their democratic right to vote. The voter turnout is one other indicator that indicates that a disconnect between people and the political system is developing. Despite the challenges confronting local government, people went out in their numbers to affirm the African National Congress as the leading movement to take South Africa to a higher developmental level. The South African government architecture has three spheres of government, with the local government sphere entrenched in all communities and closest to the communities. The local government sphere is driven by the people as it plans and the distribution of its budget is informed by the needs of communities. The integrated development plan is an engaged process which is anchored by communities through intensive public participation processes in each ward. The local government system is rooted and its responsiveness is also impacted by the functionality of its ward level representation through the councillor who has been voted by that particular community and established ward committees which strengthen governance and enables agility and broad representation at a ward level. This, honourable members, is the fundamental base in which local government functions. Furthermore, local government is also anchored by the functionality of organs of people's power at a local level. In addition to ward committees, there are other community policing forums and other community organizations which respond to the plight of the people in that community. Honorable Chair, the ANC-led government has, through progressive policies and legislation, opened up political spaces for public participation in local decision-making processes. And it can be said that South Africa is amongst the most elaborate policy and regulatory frameworks for local government, and indeed citizen particip participation anywhere in the world. However, the practice at local government level varies across municipalities. The critical question we should ask ourselves is whether we have optimized the involvement of communities in local government through its rooted design. Responses to this question will be different across the local government sphere 
and requires us to assess and evaluate whether our democracy has matured at a local government level. At the coalface of government and without the participation as a coalface of government and without the participation of communities in the decision making level of the municipality can result in a mismatch of resources and needs, unaccountability in municipal decisions and actions, and or local municipalities acting with impunity leading to local gov- local government losing its essence. Amongst the major challenges affecting local government is the distribution of scarce resources which are highly contested by different sections of the community. The conflict of interest and contradictions from the diverging perspectives can also become a hindrance to progress if not harnessed to an inclusive finality as observed in coalition, government, in coalition dynamics. Some amongst the community can lose confidence in the system, which has to factor in the needs of all sections of society in rural and urban areas across various social strata and from different class positions. Honorable Chair, amongst the challenges raised in the 2022 NCOP Local Government Week is the level of criminality, which has creeped into the local government system, causing terror and coercing political leaders and government officials to take decisions to fulfill narrow business interests, which are driven by extorting funds rather than to provide services to the, to the people and to build sustainable business enterprises. Beyond these criminal elements, if local government is not rooted amongst the communities, is not in continuous and and dynamic contact with communities, and ignores calls of the communities, we need to ask the second question of who informs planning and resource distribution, and in whose interest will such municipal political leadership and administration serve, if not driven by the people? Agendas and narrow business interests, which are convoluted with criminality set in local government, when we do not center communities in decision-making and there is a lack of transparency. The proliferation of some business forums, which are camouflage criminal syndicates, are finding expression because of the gap created between the municipalities and communities. Matters of the local political economy manifest at a municipal level, which has a significant impact in projects implementation and the spending of municipalities. Our local municipality should prioritize equitable distribution of resources and business opportunities to our communities to support the local economy and the township and village economy. However, various reports have demonstrated a tendency of a few companies receiving most capital expenditure projects, which has narrowed the supply side of the provision of services to a few. We urge municipalities in Salva to work with the law enforcement agencies in order to tackle these criminal elements, which, if not attended to, will become a feature of our local government system, placing it in a brink of collapse as these criminal interests do not have the interests of people at heart. Honorable Chair, over the years, the relationship between local government and people has not reached the envisaged level, as this is reflected in the level of participation in local government elections despite being contested by leaders at a community level. Accountability is a critical principle of any governance system, and it manifests in different periods through different processes. The African National Congress has introduced compulsory monthly community meetings by ward councillors as a standard practice for councils to report back to the people on progress of implementation of programs proposed by the communities and to account on the provision of services and other obligations. The people are the first line of defense of our democracy and local government institutions exist 
to serve them and not the other way around. Communities are the recipients of government services and they interfere with municipalities at a relatively they interface with municipalities at a relatively frequent level. <laughs> this places communities as a critical player in holding the municipality and its leadership and officials accountable to the public. When we empower our people through civic education and continuous sharing of information and participation in decision-making processes, communities will take ownership for the success of projects, thus enhancing accountability. We need to center the people as a motor force of social agency for an accountable local government and to enforce oversight through listening to communities by oversight structures. Honorable Jefferson, another challenge affecting the local government sphere is the financial sustainability of several municipalities, with some municipalities being consi considered unviable. This is a sig significant systemic matter, which is a result of assumptions in the white paper that all municipalities will be financially viable through the collection of rates. This is true in some contexts, but not in many rural and old town, town contexts with a low population. The amount of receivables and debts owed to the municipality is a critical component of enhancing the financial sustainability of local government. The, the, user, pay, the user pay principle is an important principle within the context of the financial model of local government. When communities are served with excellence, residents will not have a high default rate on payment of rates. When all municipalities strengthen their interaction and harness the relationship and confidence of residents with the municipality, payment of services will improve with time. We need to work with our people to address the problems of illegal electricity connections and illegal connection to water, which have a ne negative impact on the revenue generating capacity of the municipality. Illegal electricity connections have resulted in theft and vand vandalism of municipal properties by syndicates that loot cables for the scrap industry. Communities, no community members who are involved in illegal connections and cable theft. We must transform our interaction with communities through developing digital applications, which can assist municipalities to receive notifications from communities through an anonymous system if we are to clamp down the criminality which has the capacity, the capacity to collapse the effectiveness of the local government system, we must create a conducive environment for the protection of whistleblowers in our municipalities to prevent victimization. Honorable Chair, 21 years post the establishment of local government, we have learned a lot of lessons. And local government has also played a significant role in the social transformation of our society. It is local government that has expanded access to water, electricity, and bulk infrastructure in rural areas and households. We have built houses for the vulnerable, and we have provided indigent support for the most vulnerable in our society so that they are able to sustain their livelihoods. We call on, on all municipal councils to place the communities they serve at the center of their deliberations and plans. We need to mobilize civil society, community organizations, and business to contribute to addressing the challenges facing our municipalities as they are a critical player in the ecosystem and their agency can serve as a catalyst to improve governance. I thank you very much. Thanks very much. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is Honorable S. Zagele, KwaZulu Natale, in the uh,
Thank you, uh, Honorable Chair. Greetings to you. The chairperson of the NCOP, the deputy chairperson, the chief whip of the NCOP, various MECs from provinces, the deputy minister, Bapela, uh, all honorable members of the NCOP. There can be no doubt that it is in local government honorable where member, the demand of the freedom of charter. Honorable member, there's a yes. point of order. Yes, honorable member. Thank you. Thank you, House Chairperson. Isn't it the standard uh, protocol in this house that we, uh, we show ourselves when on camera, especially in a sitting like this? Uh, we, we we cannot see we cannot see the MEC and we love him so much in KZN. Thank you. I'm not sure whether I'm, I'm not visible enough. You're very small. You're very small. Honorable member. Honorable chair, I've. Open the, the camera and everything. Can I proceed? Yes, you can Go proceed. Back. You can proceed, honorable member. Thanks. There can be no doubt that it is in local government where the demand of the Freedom Charter that the people shall govern find its overwhelming resonance. There is no doubt that through effective, ethical, democratic local government, people are able to take decisions that directly empower and improve their living conditions. Only through a capable, developmental, and participatory local government can reconstruct our country and deliver the promise of the better life for all. While there has been significant challenges that have faced the local government in the recent period, let us also remember the journey we have traveled together to create the local government that contributes to the vision of a truly united, non-racial, non-sexist, equal and prosperous society. The learners of history will tell us that it was in 1922 that the exclusively white smart instituted the Stellar Commission, which resulted in the Native Urban Areas Act of 1923. Among others, that commission said, as I quote, the natives should only be allowed to enter urban areas which are essentially the white man's creation when he is willing to enter and to administer to the needs of the white man and should depart therefrom when he sees so to minister. Close quote. The recommendation of this commission planted the seeds of impoverished settlements far from any economic activities. It further exacerbated poverty in rural areas. 
It explains why 40% of households didn't have water and electricity. It explains the huge backlog in terms of service delivery. But shortly after the advent of democratic local government, the proportion of households connected to electricity has increased in Guadalajara, moving from 48%, now it is at 81.8%. Creation of South Africa was premised on the destruction of the indigenous form of governance and undermining of the institutions of traditional leaders. Rural areas became the dumping ground for surplus labor, while local authorities became instruments of control and repression. Honorable members, today, traditional leaders are respected and they serve and participate fully in the local government municipalities. This is the democracy that this African National Congress-led government has brought. Those municipalities that were well capacitated were mostly in urban areas. While we concur today with the call that we must fund, we must ensure that we improve the funding in rural municipalities. But it cannot be compared to the pre-1994 conditions where communities in rural areas were totally neglected. We are piloting the implementation of the district development mode in this context. We seek to ensure that municipalities in towns and in villages are together working with one purpose to ensure the creation of jobs and able livelihood and successful human settlement. Through effective planning and innovation, municipalities have the capacity to unlock capabilities of our communities, especially when it comes to economic opportunities. They need to forge partnership with business, organized labor, and civil society to mobilize resources and remove barriers that neglect the people in township. It is under this understanding that as well as government, we are piloting the township. And in this week, the mayor of Etewini, his worship councilor, Polis Kaunda, hosted the second township and rural investment in Bizo at the heart of Inanda Township to unlock enterprise development. The first one was held in Umlas. Both of these townships are synonymous Honourable members, Sizokuba. 
Uh, honorable members, the next speaker is Honorable British D.A. Thank you. Thank you, House Chair. <laughs> honourable Chairperson, Honourable Deputy Minister, Honourable Members, fellow South Africans, good day. The theme of today's debate is advancing our collective uh, efforts. My extreme apology to you, Honourable Bretesser. I just wanted to, to raise House Chair that we should establish a principle in an event a member was having six minutes remaining and uh, this technical glitch that occurs, we should be considering that the country is going through a difficult uh, situation. It could not be because of a member, but it could be because of issues of connectivity. I'm just saying the table should advise in an event that the bulk of the statement of the member may not have been captured. It will reflect back in the House. Uh, while I'm not addressing those that are forever absent in the House, I'm relating to those that are contributing. Thanks. Uh, thank you, uh, Chief Whip. I hope the table also can correct the time of Honorable because he's not yet starting and he got eight eight minutes. Can you correct my watch, please? Okay, Honourable Member, you can start. Thank you. I'll, I'll continue from where I was, House Chair. So the theme of today's debate is advancing our collective effort to enhance oversight and accountability in local sphere of government. There was also an emphasis on cooperation between the different spheres of government. Whilst many colleagues today chose to spend time working, working on theoretical solutions, I, with the authorization of my caucus, chose to evaluate this debate's theme on the ground. As I hail from Etigrini, it was obvious that I would focus on the sewage literally hitting the fan after five months of hapless planning and mismanagement in the part, on the part of the ANC-led municipality. You may call it a case study, if you will. A case study on bad planning. The bottom line is that when you consider the relationship between different spheres of government, you have to plan, plan, plan. As the saying goes, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. When you plan, you consider the scenarios, many of which have not even happened, but might happen. Then you pull on all the stakeholders involved, all government departments, all professionals, all role players, all civil society organs, all NGOs. You pull in the resource people and plan to minute detail the resources available. And then you obsessively plan out every last detail involved, every last detail. And you make no assumptions, none whatsoever. From this process, you develop a standard operating procedure which can be activated immediately and put into implementation. Over the past months and the few days, I've spent time assessing damage to infrastructure in Ambilo, Tongat, Manzantorti, Ugu, Nkloti, and Nklang. Frankly, there is evidence of continued uncontained sewage everywhere. What is painfully evident 
is that there has been a complete lack of planning. And that lack of planning has also had serious effects on local residents who live with this neglect. We have met many residents who despair at the lack of process. Residents in Padfield Park and Manors not only had to deal with the devastating loss of life and property, they also had to deal with the constant presence of raw sewage flowing through their properties, their roads, their streams for the past five months. These residents include elderly, include the elderly and those with disabilities who are particularly vulnerable to unsafe environments. These residents are now considering rates boycotts and suing the city for their failure to provide them what they are paid to do. And who can blame them? The patience of paying customers is growing thin and an explosion is on the way. The city has far too long given the likes of the Ngunyama Trust a free rates ride, despite a court order to the contrary. And there is simply not enough funding to make the city work. The reality is that for the past two decades, the administration has focused on other priorities and have allowed water and sanitation to crumble. There has been insufficient repair and maintenance on the system. The river courses have been neglected, filling up with debris. This was admitted by Deputy Minister Mkhlobo when he briefed the ad hoc committee on the floods in July this year. There was no planning. The state of infrastructure was primed for disaster. And if you don't plan for a disaster, your plan will be a disaster. On the disaster itself, the municipality failed to plan how it would circulate South African weather service warnings, especially when they escalated to level nine. The resultant damage was catastrophic. The sheer power of nature is understandable. What is unforgivable has been the response of the municipality and COCTA and KZN. And it is not as if they were not offered any help. The Department of Water and Sanitation's officials that we engaged with advised that they had immediately acted to provide water tanker services. They also sent 20 engineers in all engineering disciplines to the province to assess the, the damages and came up with a figure close to 2 billion for the repairs in the province. At the same time, COCTA and MISA duplicated the effort and came up with a completely different figure. The question must be asked, why were these two departments not coordinating? Planning and implementation would have eliminated that. Today, as we speak, there's around 600 million rand required to attend to the damage. And here, once again, we have a breakdown between the spheres. Treasury insists that there's been insufficient application and that applications were deficient. The Etigrini mayor insists that applications have been made and that 185 million rand is forthcoming, but of course, has not yet materialized. Resource planning would have resolved this. My colleague, Hans de Boer, advised the municipality over 10 years ago that if they were to put aside 50 million rand per year as a contingent fund, they would be able to handle this sort of situation. That good advice was ignored. Likewise, a lack of planning has led to the insurance situation. Most water and sanitation infrastructure above ground is insured, but the information at hand is that claims have not even been assessed at this point, let alone processed for payment. No planning. Planning also assists in finalizing procurement processes that are quicker and efficient. Right now, the process is laborious and long. We have lost our ability to act quickly, to respond to a disaster, while some see the pain of fellow South Africans, others see the opportunity to make ill-gotten gains out of their misery. As a result, the real-time audits done by the, Attorney Gen the Auditor General 
during the crisis, while it's good in the corrupt environment, while it's good in the corrupt environment created by the ANC, it has also slowed down the process of distributing water tankers. A lack of prior planning has led to the Department of Water and Sanitation issuing directives against municipality to failure to comply with the Water Act. And if you think all of this is fanciful thinking, if you think that I'm standing here talking about blue sky and planning, I can assure members that less than 20 kilometers away from this very house is the Western Cape Disaster Management Center. There you will find a full facility with number and numerous officials who are professionals in their own right, who spend every single day obsessing and planning and mitigating risk. When you go to their facility, you will see a room half the size of this perhaps, but every single wall is covered with television screens, so you can see every single thing that's going on in the province. That is how you plan. They make real response and real recovery a reality. You see, members, the DA believes that when you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. And that's why we get it right. That same disaster management center helps out the national disaster management center. They learn from each other. The ANC government either learn from us or get out of the way and let us do things properly. It's their choice. If they don't wake up, 2024 is coming. We are prepared. Hey. Thanks for thanks very much, honorable member. Uh, honorable member Cecilia Kuba. The next speaker is Councillor B. Stopile, Salga President. Um, Chair of the NCOP, House Chairpersons, Select Committee Chairs, members of the NCOP leadership, accept our greetings. Allow me to start by, on behalf of the collective leadership of SALGA, thank the National Council of Provinces for once more creating an opportunity, a dedicated reflection on the most critical sphere of government. As with all previous convened local government weeks, at the start of this 2022 edition of the NCOP local government week, we had hoped that the debates, deliberations, and engagement will provide an opportunity to, uh, to propose lasting, practical, and sustainable solutions. We further trusted that the local government week will provide an opportunity to mobilize all the three spheres of government, to plan together, implement jointly, and monitor the interest of advancing our collective efforts to enhance oversight and accountability in local sphere of government, as per the theme of the last two days' gathering. As we now reflect on the past few days, as we attempt to answer many questions, provide clarity and make valuable contribution, let me use the opportunity to remind us, as I recently did to all mayors across the country and executive mayor of our country, that a profound words of the former president of the outright country, Bakina Faso, 
once he said, our revolution is not a public speaking tournament. Our revolution is not a battle of fine phrases. Our revolution is not simple for sporting slogans that are no more than signs used by manipulators trying to use them as cash words, as code words, as a fool for their own display. Our revolution is and should continue to be the collective efforts of revolutionaries to transform the reality, to improve the concrete situation of the masses of our country, close quote. We are under no illusion that local government faces many challenges, including issues ranging from ongoing urbanization and migration, the need to grow our economy, and create jobs, extensive service delivery, needs and high expectations amongst residents, the people who voted us to power. As such, we need to address the question of how best to transform reality through the principle of cooperative governance by unlocking the potential of our municipalities and thereby unleash the potential and improve the concrete situation of the masses of our people. Chair of the House, our sincere expectation as organized local government was that this local government week would venture into providing credible solution. We hold the respectful view that severe issues and number of issues have been raised during the different panel debates must find its way into our collective response to the needs of our communities. This local government week took place at a time when we are witnessing realities of limited financial resources, at a time when we all acknowledge that government have a greater role to play in economic rejuvenation, job creation, and service delivery, and a time when we must all think creatively about solutions to confront this challenge. Is not going to help to blame each other. Over the past days, we have had to answer some of these difficult questions as we are faced with a mammoth task to resolve and provide sustainable solution on some of the most difficult and stubborn challenges in the local government space. Some of these challenges are largely related to cause some systemic and structural difficulties, particularly at intergovernmental relations level. It is known that, known fact that whereas such focus over the last past 20 years have been placed creating universal access to municipalities are under heavy financial strain and public criticism, we have to take stock of whether our current financial models can withstand the emerging challenges and ever-increasing expectations, demands from communities. The mobilization of financial resources from outside the current budgets and financing instrument is therefore a key a, a question that we need to deal with. As Salga, we are very concerned about the growing number of intimidation and killing of councillors and municipal officials and damage of municipal properties during this service protest across the country. In the province where we are, a councillor was shot on Thursday and he was coming from a public meeting. 
This is a worrying development in the context that this occurrence is countrywide, although with different intensities. It impact, its impact has the following negative implication. It threatens the credibility of our democracy. It poses a danger where society in general might develop intolerance, which is harmful to our democracy. It erodes our constitutional imperatives insofar as to does not reflect neither the character of our society nor will of the people of the republic. It negatively impacts the credibility of local government as a potential area of opportunity for qualified and competent public representative and prospect employees. Chair of the House, it is with these negative impacts that as Salga, we want to be part of the solution, not complainant. Therefore, propose the following necessary responses to these difficult challenges that we face to create a government that is functional. There is an urgent need to ensure that communities are educated on the roles and responsibility of different spheres of government through public awareness campaign and roadshows. Launch a national campaign on social coercion to deepen democracy and promote ownership of local democracy by communities. Under the banner of the NCOP, because it's the only house that creates us to have a dialogue such as this, and that is why over the last two, two days, to create platform to engage with traditional leaders and political parties on their involvement with communities and councillors. Because problems that we experience is because of different political interests that exist in communities. We must encourage SAP, SA, SAPS and NPA to ensure that reported cases are investigated and prosecuted. SAPS should similarly apply a uniform and time-sensitive approach to conducting risk assessment for councillors and municipal officials. The NSOP should convene a special plenary debate on the attacks on councillors and officials if we want to create conducive environment that is safe for service delivery. As I conclude, Chair, we welcome the summarized outcome as presented to the closing session yesterday and trusted and, and presented summarily at high level by the Chief Whip that a joint team will be established to take forward and drive the recommendation proposed during this term and under the local government week. And that is why we said, when we look into yesterday, when a dark cloud appears on the sky, it's only temporarily. The darkness will pass, the sunshine will rise. And that sunshine will only rise when we hold one another by hands. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, uh, Honorable Stoffile. Order, Honorable Members. The next speaker, Honorable Members, is Honorable N. Katebe, IFP. Ungane, you are on visual. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. According to Section 40 of the Constitution, 
in the Republic, government is constituted as national, provincial, and local, which are distinctive, interdependent, and interrelated. Section 41 highlights how all spheres of government must secure the well-being of the people of the Republic and must provide effective, transparent, accountable, and coherent government for the Republic as a whole. Oversight and accountability within the local sphere of government requires all of government. The Constitution enjoins us to work with and talk to each other. We should not be operating in silos and allowing hierarchies to be barriers to providing the Republic with the transparent and accountable government that we promise. Issues that are raised repeatedly in oversight processes remain unresolved. This forms a large part of why disputes such as the Moloto Road Corridor are turned into petitions by communities as the government's failure to implement its promises frustrates and challenges our people. Local government is the most direct interface between our government and her citizens. The relationship thereof between municipalities and their communities has unavoidable consequences on the quality of the lives of the people that they serve. The local government anti-corruption strategy was published in 2015. However, to date, municipalities have not had the capacity to implement the strategy. The strategy is accompanied by the Municipal Integrity Management Framework, which provides that municipalities should establish a council committee which exercises oversight over the municipality's integrity promotion and anti-corruption strategy. In 2021, Salka, in collaboration with the Department of Cooperative Governance, partnered with, partnered with the Ethics Institute to develop a guidebook on how to establish these integrity oversight committees. The guidebook encourages municipalities not to strive to build Rolls-Royce ethics programs, but to adhere to the principles of the MIMFF to cultivate a culture of ethics. This need for a culture of ethics was a golden thread throughout local government week and speaks to what the Auditor General has referred to as the accountability ecosystem. The narrative of local government must change. Oversight initiatives cannot remain a matter of compliance. Accountability must cease to simply be a story we are told. A culture of oversight will grow when there is commitment to realistic implementation of existing laws and strategies. After all, a law unenforced or a strategy unimplemented are like no law or strategy at all. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thanks very much, Honorable Member. Honorable Member, I put an that there's tea, coffee outside, but the usual we don't wait, so we just go and grab the tea. Then, sorry, 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 honorable members. Honorable members, uh, my announcement is for the tea outside, but for us to make our work easy. Then let us grab tea, but don't bring your tea inside in the chamber. Just grab the tea outside and drink and come back again. Uh, Weeps will monitor uh, the members who are sitting long time on the tea. Okay, honorable members.
And the next uh, speaker, it's uh, Honorable DG Mashangu, but before Honorable Mashangu come, I would like to invite my co-chair, Honorable Nyambi, to come and take over. What was a mama Shango? Thank you, uh, House Chair, Chairperson and Deputy Chairperson of the NCOP, Deputy Minister, MECs present in the House and on the on platform, special and permanent honourable members, Lochan, honourable members. My input will be hey, focused. How was it? Hey, listen, I'm just muted. Honorable Karim, please mute. Very sorry, Honorable Matlango, you are protected. You can continue. Thank you, uh, Honorable House Chair. Uh, I was saying that uh, my input will be focusing on the topic uh, that uh, has been uh, allocated for me, that is uh, our orientation to strengthening local government and also that uh, this has been part of the discussions for the past two days on our engagement. Honorable Chairperson, the main goal of state state transformation is the building a developmental state that provides effective basic services and with capabilities to take forward a far-reaching agenda of national economic development, whilst at the same time placing people and their involvement at the center of this process. Honorable Chair, the building of a capable and developmental local government must be achieved through the strengthening of political uh, institutions to deliver on their mandate. Centering local government as an anchor is driving local economic development, a a a purchaser of goods and services, and a provider of services. Honorable Chairperson and members, for this to happen, effective integrated planning and delivery structures and systems are necessary and above all ensures that development is achieved by involving communities in developing their own solutions together with local government because everything happens at a what base or local government level a practical approach to building a capable developmental local government is the capacity to provide strategic vision, strategic drive, build partnership outside of the state to reinforce the capacity and capability of the state, implement 
monitor and evaluate economic and social transformation strategies together. Honorable Chairperson and members, the capability of local government is vital to local economic development and social recovery. And specific emphasis needs to be placed on strengthening local government, that the centrality of local uh, government must geared towards economic development and improving the lives of South Africans, the ones that have voted us uh, to lead. Honorable members, the indicators of capabilities of local government are the ability to to execute project uh, management system and the capabilities that go with it, with this. Ability to prioritize and ensure not being committed to overly complex projects, executing deliberate building of expertise by mentoring new and young professionals. Ability to draw on all sectors and stakeholders. For local government returning to the roots of participatory democracy, building uh, partnerships with the people and civil society and entrenching a culture and approach of a shift towards being uh, developmental, responsive, accountable, move away from a simple and malicious compliance culture and review inhibitors to such a culture. Honorable members and honorable chair, the state of technical capacity in local government remains a challenge, notwithstanding that a lot of resources, including specific local government conditional grants and programs, had been used on capacity development initiatives since the inception without yielding an impact in terms of uh, providing the capacity and skills that were wanted and needed. There has been a lack of professional uh, Prioritization in technical capacity building as local government prioritize priorities were not the same priorities uh, espoused by national or provincial government. Uh, the Honorable uh, Chief Whip has spoken to this earlier. There has been limited performance monitoring and evaluation with poorly defined roles and responsibilities in local government. Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members, whilst MISA is there to help address some of the technical service delivery uh, bottlenecks, but it has a limited capacity as well. The Department of Copter should continue to coordinate programs of capacity building with partners such as tertiary institutions and local government CETA. Political interference on administrative decisions should be eliminated. Municipalities also 
need to ensure that the workplace skills plans are submitted on time and not towards the end of the financial year because we will see that as a fiscal dumping. Honorable Chairperson, Salga's Center for for Leadership and Governance should be used effectively. This should be centered on the promotion of developmental agenda and it should be more about thought leadership. Honorable members and chairperson, professionalizing local government or any other sphere of government requires a nonpartisan approach. I'm taking cue from the chief whip. For these to be realized, local government must be uh, must be um, insulated from the pol- politics or political parties. The bureaucracy must continue to loyal to loyally and diligently implement the political mandate set by voters and the party, but to refrain from being political actors themselves. To achieve this, Honorable Chairperson, uh, with distinct, it will, it will require a few decisive reforms, including extending the tenure of municipal managers and ensure the implementation of occupation-specific competency assessment, not just the generic competency assessment that is currently used. Honorable Chairperson, globally, local government assist with the issues of professionalism and the professionalization of their employees and operations. Therefore, South Africa is no exception with various initiatives undertaken to ensure that the local government is pertinent for democracy and the envisaged developmental state. Chapter 10 of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa states that one of the basic values and principles governing public administration requires that requires that a high standard of professional ethics must be promoted and maintained be maintained these values and principles are applicable to administration in every sphere of government organs of state talking about things like the, the SOEs and uh, uh, other, uh, other organs, as we all know, chairperson and honorable members. However, it is important to draw distinction between being professional and professionalism, which simply means that there are practices, conduct, values, and behavior regardless of training, qualifications, and levels of responsibilities. With the concept of professionalism, uh, professionalization, uh, Honorable Chairperson, which is about changing individuals' attitudes, behavior, and performance towards saving the public.
Honorable members, it is a value aspect which is about observing and serving people with empathy in accordance with the constitution and Batupili principles and not forgetting a public service charter. Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, importantly, this also requires the professionalization of certain categories of occupations in the public service over and above what is already organized through uh, statutory professional bodies. For instance, um, uh, accountants are registered with the SAICA, which holds them accountable whenever they are found to be misbehaving or mis or of any misconduct. In the same way that uh, health workers are recognized as a sector and belong to professional bodies which regulate their trades. Therefore, the state needs to expand this to cover other public uh, service occupations in in furtherance of this initiative. Pre-entry exams and compulsory integrity tests must be introduced across levels and sectors of local government. Honorable Chairperson, outsourcing involves handing over direct control over a municipal function or process to a third party. As such, it comes with certain risks. For instance, when outsourcing the the municipality, uh, there may be experience uh, of the following challenges. Service uh, delivery may fall behind, behind time or below expectation due to profit being the main objective for the third party company. Confidentiality and security. Some of the confidential information may be exposed. Lack of flexibility, management uh, difficulties, instability, and most importantly, the municipal institutional memory may be lost when there is no uh, continuity of uh, contractual obligations. Therefore, Honorable Chairperson, the local government should always ensure that it spends time to examine the pros and cons of outsourcing carefully to make sure that the benefits outweigh the risks before choosing a strategy. Firstly, we need to ask ourselves, what sort of problems is the district uh, development model trying to address in the, uh, the local government? The lack of uh, coherence, both at the level of planning, budgeting and implementation across government, poor intersphere collaboration, which leads to weak sector departments involving during the uh, municipal IDPs, uh, deficient strategies, I mean, deficient strategic focus of plans, intergovernmental relations mechanisms not being utilized uh, optimally. There is currently 
no joint planning and need to shift from fragmented plans across As government conclude, to one single uh, plans for all three spheres of government. And as I conclude, Honorable Chairperson, building a professional and merit meritocratic local government through reskilling, ensuring minimum entry requirements, establishing an organizational culture, and providing ethical leadership is critical. There must be structured succession plans, which ensure that skills and capacity transfer takes place before the end of a contracted a contract to avoid individuals being contracted at a later stage to the state. That investment in institutional memories be undertaken and technical and specialized professional skills. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Machango. The next speaker is Honorable Dubrain. Uh, on the virtual platform. Honorable Dubrain. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. Honorable House Chair, the topic of advancing our, collect our collective effort to enhance oversight and accountability in the local sphere of government is relevant, but it is also of concern. And it's of concern because local government under the leadership of the ANC has failed in its mandate to, to deliver basic services to communities. Numerous presenters focused on the following sections of the constitution namely Section 151, the status of municipalities, 152, objects of local government, 153, the developmental duties of municipalities, and 154, municipalities and cooperative government. There is such a large, large number of municipalities are unable to generate income because of the high economic circumstances and an ever-growing indigent base, not to mention the ever-present ANC capturing of municipalities. This is where Section 154 plays a role. Section 154, where both national and provincial government, by legislative and other measures, must support and strengthen the capacity of municipalities to manage their own affairs. Honorable Chair, it has happened before and it will happen more frequently in the future. Imposing Section 139, where administrators are deployed, with a focus on deployed without success, Section 139 interventions where millions of rands were spent and plundered, even more than when the municipalities had the keys of the municipal coffers. And regarding Section 154, if the root cause of the problem is not addressed and dealt with, the state of municipalities will not improve. Achbar Voorzitter, you have seen the last few days premiers, LAR, burgemeesters and speakers who have been doing before over this issue. Many of them are the same person who has been in the Aangezien hulle nie toesien dat hulle partijgenote aangeklaag vervolg en verwijder word. Ons moet nie vir ons self lief nie, voorzitter. Wetgeving bestaan wat vervolging aanmoedig. Wetgeving en regulaties wat goeie en correcte financiële en municipale bestuur regulering voorskryf. Maar dit word nie toegepaard nie. Minister Dlamini Zuma stress the development mandate of the developmental mandate of the local government as per section 152. <coughs> the promotion of social and economic development in municipal areas, but government over-regulates the economy, business and labour sectors. This government, with its race-regulating legislation, is successful in transforming so many self-sufficient municipalities into dependent and dilapidating organs of state. 
70, 76% of municipalities need urgent attention. 34% of them is budget effect. And then was er nog the arrogance of the Raadslid, wat hierdie week van die platform gebruik gemaakt het, om te skim vir hoore inkomste en bonus en vir onwillig te skamil. MPs, MPLs en councillors are public servants. Government and municipalities are not, are not cash cows that can be milked to the end of days. The Freedom Front Plus is on record stating that power must be delegated and not centralized. There must be more smaller municipalities to ensure better governance and effective service delivery. The Honorable Bedolfo suggested that another oversight model must be adopted and implemented over local government. And this is absurd. If the people in positions in all three spheres of government fulfill their mandate, no more oversight models or structures will be needed. Honorable Chair, <coughs> taking a look at the capacity issues, such as staffing and employment, cadre deployment remains a persistent problem in local government and has run for years like weeds through all sectors. Cadres are not only deployed in political positions, but also in senior and other administrative positions, roles for which they have mostly little to no qualifications or experience. Administrative positions should be filled on merit, not on account of gender, race or age. Knowledge and experience should be the basis for filling these positions. Recruitment processes should start before positions become vacant. Acting employees, for example, acting municipal managers and CFOs, does not lend itself to consequent man- consequence management. Akbar, of course, that also is a prevented plaatselijke regering waardoor niks te doen nie, en totale mislukking te waag gaan leid tot a totale municipale en eenstorting. Honorable Chair, we are on the brink of a point of no return, and our national and provincial leaders are responsible. Our leaders need to find the courage to do some friends locally and to do what is right. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is the Northern Cape MEC of Corkstar, Honorable Vass on the virtual platform. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable uh, Chairperson. And um, let me also acknowledge um, the leadership of the NCOP, uh, the Chairperson, the Deputy Chairperson, um, the President of Salga, our Can MCs, you... uh, and all the Honorable other... MEC? Yes, Honorable MEC? Sir, Honorable MEC? Yes, Chair. Can you please try to... Yes, let's have the video, not unless there's an... Uh... It's on. Yes. Thank you, thank you, uh, Honorable uh, Chair. My apology. Uh, let me also acknowledge uh, the leadership of Salga, as well as um, our esteemed guests, ladies and gentlemen, and also those on the virtual platform. Honorable Chairperson, um, um, let me take this opportunity to thank you um, for taking part in this debate today. Program Director, it is well known, uh, a well-known fact um, to note that Parliament's strategic vision is to build an effective people's parliament that is responsive to the needs of the people. And it is driven by the idea of realizing a better quality of life for all the people of South Africa and its mission to represent and act as a voice of the people of fulfilling parliament's constitutional functions of passing laws and overseeing the executive action. Honorable Chairperson, in South Africa, in the South African context, oversight is a constitutionally mandated function of legislative organs of state to scrutinize and oversee executive action and any organ of state. The executive authority plays an oversight role 
in local uh, municipalities and implements administrative systems and processes decision making regarding the overall functioning of municipalities. Um, it also facilitates the decision making processes. Having listened to all the discussions for the past days, it says to me that as a collective, we have a pretty good idea of what must happen between national, provincial, and local government. But we are hindered by the understanding of role playing within these different spheres of government. It is also important to note that the provincial government is not the decision maker in municipalities. Its primary role is oversight and guiding municipalities parallel to SALGA, and intervention is directed by Section 139 being the last option where conditions do not improve. Municipalities need to understand that they are in charge of delivering services to the people with the support of the national provincial government. Honorable Chair, as a provincial government, we cannot take over the role of municipalities, but ours is to fully support and make sure that municipalities do not end up drowning. Provincial government support is based on continuous hands-on support through establishment system and capacity building programs, evaluating the impact of government programs in municipal areas, enhancing performance and accountability by improving the quality of reporting and coordinating and supporting policy development. Honorable Chairperson, for in simple terms, whatever local government does, it is interdependent on both national and provincial government. However, under no circumstances can national and provincial government delay or obstruct the work of a municipality. No lack can operate on its own. Thus, national, provincial, and local government spheres will always be interrelated and interdependent, as alluded by many speakers. Um, in the past days. Honorable Chairperson, for service delivery to be efficient and effective, each sphere needs to play their role so that delivery flows to the people without unnecessary delays. We need to prioritize our political differences when rendering services to our, our people. We need not to prioritize our political differences. Soon as we have understood these different roles, we can then look into how to strengthen and the oversight and accountability in local governments. When we speak of oversight, we are simply referring to supervise. That's our responsibility. The first step to strengthening oversight in getting rightfully skilled and qualified management to run municipalities. Keep communication between municipality, the departments open, and the communities. We have, we have municipalities that are appointing people that, that neither have the skill or qualification in senior management positions. This unnecessary holds back improvement of municipalities as well as service delivery. We need departmental officials who are critical thinkers and who are willing to be able to guide and or steer a municipality in the correct direction when they are losing sight. Honorable Chairperson, we cannot have municipal officials ignoring guidance from department officials only for them to run into trouble without any consequent measures taking place. In the same vein, we also need councillors who know what their roles are. There is a difference between intervention and interference on rebel chapters. Councillors, as political principles, must avoid the latter. The executive needs to make sure that there are consequent measures put in place 
so that municipal officials are aware that they cannot be negligent in their work. Some mistakes that could have been avoided always end up costing both the municipality and department legal costs, those that neither of the two can afford. Embracing change and developing strong relations between the department and municipal is also another way we could strengthen our oversight role. Not all change is bad. Once we have developed strategies on how to work on the change and how to make it part of the organization, it could be a saving grace to a bad-looking situation. Building strong relations, relations would mean that communications and commitments must be a priority to all parties involved. Supervising is most definitely not asking over, but rather a guide to avoiding messing up. Accountability is often a drag to most, but is what keeps the ship afloat. According is accounting is more about keeping a record of what happening in this institution. Honorable Chairperson, lack of accountability can easily make communities turn against institutions as well as lose respect for our leaders. Thus, we need to account at all times and remain transparent to those we must account to. And in this case, it's our communities and the executives. Honorable Chairperson, accountability also makes oversight role much easier because intervention will take, as advised by the accountability report, as it will outline the strength and weaknesses of a municipality. As I conclude, Honorable Chairperson, common understanding between, between institutions is also one way of strengthening our account, accountability and oversight unfold. The MECF corporate governance remain responsible for both these roles in local government. However, it is important that we note that it does not run the daily operations of municipalities. Strengthening oversight and accountability will definitely bring a big change to service delivery. Colleagues, what I have said today is definitely nothing new to our ears. I have merely echoed what we have been saying over the past three days. The implementation of what we discuss remains the solution to a better government that cares for its people and that strives to bring change to its people. We can confidently say, as the Northern Cape, that this government has changed the lives of our people. Although we're also agreeing that we need to do more to change the lives of our people. Honorable Chairperson, all of us on this platform raises the issue that our municipalities are sitting with the challenge of revenue. And we need to do something. That's why we are saying those who have the means to pay should pay. If not, the municipality should start with immediate effect to suspend services if there's no arrangement. And we also we are also saying local government is everybody's business. Let's take responsibility and build our municipalities. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable MC. The next speaker is Honorable Ryder, who's in the house. Honorable Ryder. Thank you, House Chair. Local Government Week 2022 has come and gone. If you blinked, you might have missed it because it wasn't so much local government week as local government 48 hours. Perhaps this is a reflection of whether this House takes local government seriously or not. Uh, 
It was a lavish affair attended by about 250 representatives from all three spheres of government. It had little to do with oversight, with no oversight visit plans, no case studies, no best practice examples shared by any of the top performing municipalities. But it had a lot to do with a top-down talk shop. So I asked myself, what is the purpose of Local Government Week? What we did hope to get out of it, hmm, considering the substantial expense to the taxpayers of South Africa, I would have hoped that there would have been a clear plan with impactful outcomes and concrete decisions that will make a real difference in the lives of our people. So I did a little bit of research on past Local Government Weeks. 2020 was a virtual talk shop taking place under level two of this government's lockdown. The theme there was working together to build coherent oversight plan for capable and financially sound municipalities. How's that going? So I worked through the report of the week, and yes, that week stretched over four days, and I found many observations and importantly, quite a lot of recommendations too. An analysis of the recommendations shows that there has been very little effort to follow through on any of them. The recommendations have not informed the work of our select committees since they were adopted. There has been no obvious work on turning these recommendations into reality. I went back a little bit further and looked at the report of the 2018 Local Government Week, also a four-day affair, but held in person. Again, a raft of recommendations that appear to have died as the House was adjourned on the day that the debate closed. I stretched back to the 2013 Local Government Week, and of course, the same applies. Considering the inputs of this week's discussion, some of which were very interesting and some even important, our Minister of Disasters got a round of applause on Tuesday with her pronouncement that the funding model for local government needs to change and the division of revenue and equitable share formula must be reviewed. The minister and all of those of us that clapped should go back to previous reports and they will see the same comments made in 2013, in 2018, and again in 2020. But what has changed? Dololo. And why are these issues not being raised in the budget forum where local government is supposed to have a voice. The issue of legacy debt to Eskom and the water boards is another theme that goes back across all of the previous engagements. Honorable members, raise your hands now if your select committee is currently dealing with anything that plans to address this issue. Dololo. But the biggest issue that I'd like to flag House Chairperson, is the number of municipalities that are currently failed or failing, and the fact that Section 139 is not helping anyone, as we repeatedly heard over the past two days. Let's look at the resolutions relating to this fact. The one from 2018 reads as follows. I'm quoting. There is a need to expedite the Intergovernmental Monitoring Support and Interventions Bill as a matter of urgency to bring about uniformity with regard to norms and standards and the exercise of discretion by provinces in respect of Section 139 of the Constitution. The resolution from 2020 on this topic reads that government, that the Department of Cooperative Government, Provincial Departments, Cooperative Governance, 
and national treasury and provincial treasuries should establish a clear, consistent or standardized approach to place municipalities under Section 139 and ensure the process is not used as a political tool. And here we sit, honorable members. No legislation that Section 139.8 demands, that we have demanded consistently over the years since 2013 when this legislation was first announced. We have politically motivated interventions in the Northwest. Even Honorable China mentioned them, the similar in the Northern Cape, Limpopo, and others. We had a failed attempt at a political intervention in Schwane, which had to be overturned by the courts. And now we have the Mfuleni municipality taken out of 139 for reasons of political expediency rather than reasons that benefit the residents. There has been no improvement. There has been no measurement. There have been clear cases of corruption exposed under the nose of the administrator. But they're out of 139. Until we have given Section 139 and Section 154 proper structure, interventions will have no impact. Professor Stettler told us that he believes that local government is overregulated. Speaker Boise then disagreed, saying that more oversight powers need to be legislated. I agree with them both. Some aspects of local government are indeed over-regulated, resulting in regulation fatigue. Other areas, such as the oversight powers, and most importantly, the Section 139.8 legislation, need to be legislated. Until we follow through and drive the change that is needed to make local government work, instead of talking about it, dololo. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Ryder. Thank you. The, the next speaker is Honorable Totovo. Chairperson of the session. and Chairperson of the NCOP, Deputy Minister of COCTA, Honorable Obed Mapela, Honorable Chief Whip of the NCOP, Permanent and Special Delegates, Representatives of SALGA, led by East President, Councillor Stofile, and your delegation, MECs of COCTA, Representatives from municipalities, including mayors, executive mayors, and speakers, ladies and gentlemen. From Tuesday, the 13th of September until today, politicians, administrators, and practitioners in the terrain of local government assembled under the theme, advancing our collective effort to enhance oversight and accountability in the local sphere of government. Honorable Chair, allow me therefore to express the words of gratitude to that momentous occasion, our local government week, and express our collective fervent appreciation to its esteemed participants who made invaluable contributions. 
as representatives from all, all three spheres of government and legislatures and other key players in the field of local government. During our local government week, we indeed assembled as equal partners, propelled by a burning desire to make an invaluable contribution to the task of making local government work better. We were driven collectively by a desire to ensure that our municipalities indeed manage their own affairs, exercise their powers, and perform their functions in a manner that inspires and restores confidence of local communities and accomplish the developmental objectives of our country. Our annual local government week became a real festival of ideas to chart a way forward on how to strengthen the oversight and accountability for the future trajectory of local government in our country. Undoubtedly, Honorable Chair, during our local government week, we shared ideas on how to make local government work better. From the beginning, we fully understood that our responsibilities are to the people and we must in every step of the way be accountable and responsive to their needs. The real measure of success of this strategic event is underscored on how contributors seriously prepared and structured their inputs, how participants shared their real-life experiences and perspectives, and how the interventions made were relevant to the theme of the local government week. I therefore, Honorable Chair, say this without any fear of contradictions, that as members of Parliament, we have truly benefited from the contributions and proposals made at the Local Government Week. We have now emerged motivated and stronger than ever before to execute oversight and accountability functions meaningfully especially how delegates wanted to deal with issues of corruption and mismanagement, among others. Honorable Chair, there are many lessons that we have learned during our local government week. We have learned that local government is one of the most complex projects of state transformation since 1994, and that the task of transforming it have proven to be more complex, difficult, and protracted than it was initially anticipated. Through the interventions and programs that have been developed over the years, like Project Viability, Project Consolidate, the Turnaround Strategy, the Strategic Agenda on Local Government, Operation Clean Audit, CIN Zamanje, back to basic program, and now the district development model. Our knowledge and understanding of the challenges in the sphere of local government have been sharpened.
we can now confidently conclude that in this hour of destiny, our country needs the DDM model to navigate local government through its invigorating journey to to accelerated service delivery, integrated planning and cooperative governance. The local government week has taught us never to seek easy solutions to complex governance, financial management, service delivery and infrastructure problems facing our municipalities. We also learn that the touchstone of patriotism in this regard is a total devotion to the resolution of our problems until victory is secured. Through the local government week, we know now better that the building of a capable and financially sustainable municipalities will lead to the building of a secure future of hope for the people of South Africa and for posterity. Honorable Chair, I want to challenge and confront the endless stream of deceptions and slanders that our municipalities have enjoyed this afternoon, which are poured in crude, odious, and repulsive language by almost members from the opposition benches, especially Honorable Officer of the DA and Honorable Lituli of the EFF. It will be a remiss, it will be a remiss of massive perception if I don't respond to the abuses and outrageous sentiments that have been expressed during the debate this afternoon, especially by Honorable De Brain, Honorable Brayton, Brayton Sir, Honorable members, you know very well heckling is allowed, but you can't drown the speaker at the podium. So let's not drown him. Let's listen. Sorry, you are protected, Honorable Totov. You can continue. And I really want to deal very comprehensively with this political misbehavior on their part. Firstly, Honorable Chair, the intention of this onslaught and attack is characteristically to deceive, mislead, and confuse our people about the state of our municipalities and its failure by its leadership. In fact, they have turned parliament to be a complaint session. They are no longer members of parliament, but complainants to the, to the crisis that we are facing. Instead of proposing pragmatic solutions to the challenges, as many delegates to the local government week did, these honorable members again this afternoon, continue to poison and pollute the political atmosphere by projecting by projecting a negative image about everything happening at local government level. And as I pointed out, Honorable Chair, this is done, unfortunately, without bringing good solutions to the problem. Drowning the speaker. We reiterate that the false picture they present about local government, which they irresponsibly paint everyone who is ANC and progressive with the same brass, serve the same purpose as the despicable and provocatively scandalous lies 
they continue to make about their so-called Jewel Cape Town Metropolitan Municipality, which has failed to provide services to the people of Kayalisha, Guguletu, and Filipi. The DA specifically, Honorable Chair, act as a self-professed genuine mouthpiece of our people. The DA pursues a blind, cheap popularity that has nothing to do with the interests of the overwhelming majority of our people. But they perpetuate its racial policy of service uh, and development. Order, and order, 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 the, order. the Cape Town is a case in point. Sorry, Honorable Totovo. Let me I, take I, Honorable Chamberlain. I'm, I'm, I'm rising on, rising on a point of order. The members here cannot shout and say that the member is lying. It's not, a, it's not parliamentary to say that. Unless that gives you bring a substantial uh, something to show that uh, they, they... Thank you, Honorable Chabeleng. The point of order is sustained. Honorable members, all of you had an opportunity to debate and we listen to you. Let's allow Honorable uh, Dodovu to continue with the debate. And they mustn't eat, they, they mustn't eat their, their, my minutes, Honorable Chair. I want to deal with them and I will deal with them. Don't worry. As for the EFF, Honorable, Honorable, Mem, Honorable Chair, today in this house, instead of engaging with the issues at hand, the EFF, as usual, chooses to panda into cheap populism and act as if it is pursuing a genuinely progressive agenda, while we all know that the EFF is an opportunistic party founded on radically sound, sounding but impractical propositions and philosophy. Instead of dealing with issues at hand, they, Honorable Chair, all these parties, instead of dealing with issues at hand, they always remind us of the fact that 2024 elections are coming. What all these political parties have once shown this afternoon, Honorable Chair, is that they disparately need votes like predators and a smell of blood and hope to scavenge on what they think is the carcass of the ANC. They will once more fail, Honorable Chair, in their short-sighted approach to govern this country. We'll resolve our own internal issues and we'll move forward as the ANC. I therefore, Chairperson, rise this afternoon to warn them not to carry in their heads a notion that we shall sit back in helpless surrender. As members of the ANC, we'll continue to expose them for what they are and for what they represent in defense of our country, our people, and the gains of our own. Where are the panthers? Can the panthers work? To sum it up, as I'm saying, Honorable Chair, their attitude represents an undigested and the most pessimistic assessment of the collective wisdom of the delegates of the local government week. What has become clearer is that the agenda is driven by a psychosis which dictates a message of failure aimed at destroying all the good work and the resolutions of the local government week. Despite the enormous accumulation of negative sentiments registered in the minds of some of these members this afternoon, Honorable Chair, this conference 
the local government week that we had was a resounding success. His delegates were determined and resolute in their conviction to rise to the challenge of the hour by solving the problems afflicting our municipalities. What's the point of order? Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, member on the podium, our debate the issue is the local government. What's the debate? IEFF. What are members? What are members? All right. Order, order. That is not a point of order. You know you are out of order. You can't repeat what you have done. Let's allow and, and, and respect the speaker at the podium. We have done the same to you when you are at the podium. Let's do the same to him. Continue, Honorable Chotov. Smith. I'm saying, Honorable Chair, that the delegates to the week. Let me take Honorable Smith. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Um, if you can just remind the Honorable Member, maybe it's been a long time not in the House, that when he's addressed, that he actually sits down while uh, he's being addressed. Yeah, no, it's a... It, Order members, that's a valid point of order, but now let's allow him to continue. Continue, Honorable Jodov. I'm, I'm burning them alive. That is why they are behaving this way. I, I'm shocked, Honorable Chair, that even Honorable Raida this afternoon says he doesn't know the concrete proposals, plans, and recommendations which emerge from the local government week. And I want to lecture him about that. In essence, Honorable Chair, some of the highlights of the local government week include the following, that we need to develop and adopt a parliamentary oversight model that will be used as a framework for local government oversight and accountability, especially in dealing with the issues of corruption, mismanagement and section 139 interventions that we must develop processes to make local government sustainable and achieve its developmental objectives as encapsulated in section 152 of the constitution that we must help to address the persistent challenges of adverse audit outcomes and material irregularities that we must strengthen the application and implementation of Section 139 interventions, that we must professionalize local government and recruit and retain skilled, qualified, and experienced personnel, that we must expedite the introduction and the finalization of the bill on interventions and support, that we must reduce poor record management and documentation and resolve poor budgeting practices and effective financial management, that we must build a coherent response to financial irregularities, especially unauthorized, fruitless, and wasteful expenditures. That the provinces and the Minister of Cocta must reduce, must, must produce and submit annually to Parliament and the provincial legislatures the reports covering the state of municipalities in terms of Section 747 and 48 of the Municipal Systems Act, respectively. That there is a dire need to address 
the dichotomy of political administrative interface at municipal level. And lastly, that local government, we also resolve that there is a need to look at the separation of powers at municipal level in order to strengthen oversight and accountability, as well as ensuring that we revisit the Section 106 of the Municipal Systems Act as it, current, as it currently ends. And the totality thereof, uh, Honorable Chair, give us a view that we need to do everything in our power to follow up all the issues and to ensure the implementation of the recommendations of the of the local government. Thank you very much. Thank you. Order, members. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes the debate. I wish to thank the Deputy Minister, MECs, Salga representatives, all permanent and special delegates for availing themselves for this very important debate. Honorable delegates, the House is adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you, Baba. Thank you, Chairperson Bice. Recording stopped. Let's go